morning again. Uh, as you come in, um, again, don't, don't forget in your groups to talk about um, not only what food to bring. I guess I didn't really know a whole lot about that, so I didn't clue you up very well, sorry. Um, but also, uh, I don't know if you've been here before for some of the Christmas celebrations, but we also decorate the tables. So everybody in the group will have the opportunity to sign up to decorate the table, or maybe a couple of you could do it uh, together. And also, if you do that, there will be a time on Monday where you can come in and decorate if you'd prefer to do it ahead of time. We'll try to find out a little bit more info about, you know, when and everything. Hey, Steve, do I have to turn on this clicker thing? It's all right. There's a button that says danger, which is kind of scary. <laughs> I don't want to accidentally press that one. Okay, all right, I'm good. Everything's good, thank you. Thank you much. You're telling me, press it? The big green button, not danger, okay. And then back. All right. All right, well, in our groups today, um, we're gonna be reviewing Romans 12 too. And I don't think we can ever read this enough, so read this with me. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Good job. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So it made me wonder, you know, what gets in the way of mind renewal? What gets in the way of us thinking differently? And this reminded me of when my kids were younger, they went to a Christian school in Rockford, Illinois before we moved here. And a big part of what they did at their Christian school was memorize Bible verses. And a lot of the verses that I have memorized are because I helped them memorize theirs. Well, every year their school would send one kid from each class to a regional speech meet where um, you know, lots of kids from all over the place would sp you know, speak scripture to, uh, with Bible verses. So one year, my one little guy got to go, and he was in maybe second or third grade, Braden, and he went because he learned Philippians 4, 6 through 8. And I practiced it with him so much that I can, I can say it too. And it says, of course I go blank, don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds as you trust in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. So the day for the speech meet finally came, and we figured out several things once we got there. First of all, we figured out that it was huge, that there were tons of people speaking, tons of students speaking at this. We also found out that several other kids had learned the very same passage as Braden, which was fine. But then we also found out that after every kid would say the scripture that they had learned, they were also to tell what that verse meant to them which was so awesome. Not only were they memorizing scripture, they were learning to apply it to life. Um, and then we found out that Braden was like the second to the last one to go up, so we had to wait for quite a while. So anyway, the two other kids who had, had the same passage went up and they said it beautifully. Well, then it came time for them to say what this verse means to me, and I'm telling you, every kid said it in the same sing-songy way, da-da-da-da-da-da. 
Um, and then they would say what that verse meant to them. Well, the two kids who did this one said, what this verse means to me is that I shouldn't worry. So then Braden gets up and he recites his little passage just so beautifully. Well, then it came time for him to say what this verse means to me. So imagine everyone's surprise when instead my little guy stood there and said, it's kind of like I got rocks in my head. And, and everybody kind of goes, like, all of a sudden they were alert. And he goes, and they're worry rocks, and they're heavy, and they hurt, and I can't think about anything else. And then Jesus comes along and he says, I'll take those worry rocks from you. All you have to do is ask me. So I do, and he does, and then my head is empty. <laughs> but I know I need to fill it back up again so that the worry rocks don't have a place to come back to. Yeah. So I think about things that are true, right, and pure, and everything, and he goes, you know what? All those things describe God. So I just think about God. And then he turned in silence and went back to his chair, and the only sound in the room were my husband and me sobbing. <laughs> we were just puddles. Well, you know, there's a lot of truth in that whole rock story because a whole lot of scripture really is about out with the old and in with the new. You know, we put off our old self and God clothes us in our new self. Uh, the old covenant is replaced by the new covenant and so on. And you know, really here in Philippians, Paul is teaching us really pretty much the same thing. We get rid of the worry rocks in our head, but we don't just stop there. We replace those concerns with edifying, godly thoughts. But see, we have to do this intentionally because it usually doesn't just happen. You know, God will help us. And as Philippians said, um, he will stand sentry, a guardian at the doorway of our hearts and minds. But we have a part to play. Because the human mind has a tendency to have, well, not just a tendency, it does have a constant stream of thoughts going through it at all times. But our tendency as fallen humans is to think on the negative. So the question we need, each need to ask ourselves is, what are the rocks in my head? In other words, what are the things that are taking up space in place of God in my thoughts and in my daily life? So think about it. When you're trying to pray or have time of solitude, what, where does your mind tend to go? When it's quiet in your house or when you wake up at night and it's quiet and dark and there's nobody to talk to, where does your mind tend to go? You know, maybe you go, and many of us go, to worries of circumstances or relationships or situations. Um, or maybe you go to your to-do list. Or maybe, like me, you're a big what-if person, and your mind goes to all the possible things that could possibly happen to you or one of your loved ones, even though it hasn't, and you start worrying about things that aren't really there. These could be the rocks in our minds that are taking the place of God. So as we identify what is in the way of our minds being renewed, we need to know how to release these things to him. And Philippians gives us a clue right away, saying, pray, present your requests to God in prayer. And we find another clue in Ephesians as it tells us, do not be drunk with wine, because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. So be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, I, I think that can be kind of confusing because aren't we filled with the Spirit as soon as we become believers? Well, I've been a believer for as long as I can really remember. 
But for most of that time, while I was very happy to have Jesus be my Savior, I can't say that I let him be the Lord of my life. So when I finally became more serious about my faith, um, that's when I started relinquishing different areas of my life to the control of the Holy Spirit. And admittedly, I started with easy things first, like going to church on a regular basis. That was easy for me because I liked doing it. Um, and then things got a little bit harder. My words, even though I wasn't a potty mouth, really. Um, you know, just the way that you talk is different when you let the Holy Spirit guide your words. Um, my relationships, and primarily how I acted in those relationships. But I have to say the hardest part of my life to hand over to the Holy Spirit was my thought life, or, or better yet, my motivations for the things that I did. Because I was always a people pleaser, so I always kind of acted a certain way. Um, but the focus was on me, on making people like me, instead of shining Jesus in my life. And so I've totally lost my place. You know, so when Ephesians, you know, I guess I should say I mess up all the time. So it's really a daily thing to, to give up your life and areas, every area of your life to the Holy Spirit. So when Ephesians says to be filled with the Holy Spirit, it means to be continuously filled with him, to give up our selfishness and our need to control, to lay down our cross daily. Because it really is at the cross of Jesus that we trade in my will be done for thy will be done. And just like how too much wine affects everything that a person thinks and says and does, we need to continuously hand over control to the Holy Spirit so he affects everything that we think and say and do. Because being filled with the Spirit isn't about how much of him you have. It's about how much of you he has. So we want to continuously relinquish to him those things in our lives that are taking up space, the rocks in our minds and the rocks in the jar of life that are there instead of him. Now, this isn't always easy, but we never need to be afraid to ask God to help us. Hebrews 4 tells us that Jesus understands. He's been there, and he already knows what's going on in our minds and in our lives, um, even more than we do. And Psalm 19 and Psalm 139 remind us that we can ask God to reveal those things in our lives that we might not even realize that we're clinging to. Yet these may be things that are ruling our minds and are invading our thoughts, ruling our lives. We can go to him with confidence and we can ask him to help us surrender all parts of our lives to him, including our worries. Now, this brings me to one side note. Um, maybe somebody you know struggles with anxiety, or maybe that person is you. And we really want to be careful as Christians to not beat each other up spiritually by saying little pithy things like, well, just pray, or let go and let God. You know, that's not helpful to people at, at that point. What we need to do is pray for them, um, listen to them, and maybe help them find a great Christian counselor who can help them through this time in their lives. Chapel Street has a whole list of counsel counselors that the church has vetted. They've, they've looked into these people. And, and these counselors cover all sorts of areas of concern. And they might be just what God has provided for this particular time in life. So pray for these people. And learn to pray for your own life and circumstances rather than worrying or rather than talking with everybody but God about what's going on. 
So we can learn to surrender to God by practicing the presence of God. And the way that we do that is to remember that he's with us all day and to talk with him, pray with him, which is really just talking and listening with God. So you can do little things that help you remember to do stuff, to talk with him. So little ideas, like before getting out of bed, de dedicate the day to him. Um, that helps to set your mind on him right off the bat in the mornings. Before eating, not only thanking him for what he's given you from a food standpoint, but also asking him to help you be satisfied with just him, that you don't need to look for satisfaction in food or relationships or whatever. You can even let silly things remind you to talk with God, like when you put on your shoes and socks. Remember to pray to him. Ask him to help you as, as he guides your steps, to help you keep in step with the Spirit. Be sure to commit to praying before you meet with friends or have a meeting or send a text or an email um, or before you comment on social media. Pray that you can shine him to a watching world. And, of course, pray when you're anxious or confused or angry or have a decision to make. And ask him to give you the wisdom to know his will and the courage to live it out. And as we do this, he'll take the rocks from us so that we're freer to focus on him because when we focus on the bigness of God, those little mountain rocks that are in front of us in life seem so very much smaller. So we want to be wise about what we let into our minds. To have a renewed mind, we need to saturate it, and particularly, we want to saturate it with Scripture. God's Word is Him speaking to us, and 2 Timothy reminds us that all Scripture is from God and is useful for all areas of life. Listening to God speak to us through His Word is such an important part of renewing our minds and renewing the way that we think and renewing the way that we look at the world. Julie challenged us a few weeks ago to read Scripture for content and context. Because while it's great to learn individual verses, because the Holy Spirit will bring those to mind right when you need them, we don't want to take verses out of context. We want to read entire passages so we get a much better idea and a bigger picture of what's going on and what's being taught to us. Now, Julie also challenged us to read Scripture out loud. Has anybody ever suggested that to you before? Because it's truly genius. Um, First of all, when we read out loud, we have to go slower. It slows us down, and it's a great thing to do. Slow down. Enjoy the time that you're spending with, with God, which really is what reading Scripture truly is. Secondly, when we read out loud, it improves our memory. Research shows that speaking things out loud, studying out loud, reading out loud, helps commit things to memory much better, maybe because we're using your whole body, your speaking, and your ears, and whatever. So just, just know, that's what the research says. Now, one other benefit of reading scripture out loud comes from something that I heard Beth Moore say in a teaching quite a while ago, and it's always stuck with me. And she said that when we speak scripture out loud, it might sound like our voice to us, but to Satan, it sounds like God speaking. So... What a great thing to remember as we face challenges and battles in our days, to use the sword of the Spirit to fight those battles, which is the Word of God. So find your time to spend with God and His Word. I know that a lot of you have morning devotional time that you spend with just you and God, and that's just a wonderful way to start the day. But there are others of us who just aren't morning people. 
And we are so grumpy in the morning that even God doesn't want to spend time with us. Just kidding. He loves us warts and all. But if morning isn't your best time, find another time of day that works in your life. Maybe it's when you're in line to pick up kids from school. Maybe it's before bed. Whenever that is, make it an easy habit to fit into your life. Not in a legalistic, I have to do this kind of way, but in a way like you would with a dear friend with whom you want to nurture a relationship. That's what you want to do with God. What we've practiced through our study so that preaching truth to ourselves becomes a default in our everyday lives. And for some of us, this has been more than practice because you've had specific situations in life that you're dealing with right now and you're learning to preach truth to yourself through those situations. But you know, for a lot of us also, this has just been practice. Something we've done for our homework. But hopefully for all of us, our preaching muscles have been strengthened. And this can be something that we do not just during homework and not just at church, but it's something that we do in our daily lives too. Again, not just in the big circumstances, but in every circumstance of, of life, the tiny things, the finding a parking spot things like we talk in our group all the time. So, so God is interested in every aspect of life. We want to do so much more than just learn good stuff. We want to actually live out what we're learning. The book of James reminds us to not just be hearers of the word, but to be doers of the word as well. And I once heard the story of a church that had a big sign in their parking lot that you could only see as you were exiting, as you were leaving. And the sign said, now church begins. Colossians 2 from the message version says it really well too. I love this. My counsel for you is simple and, whoop, where are we? There we go. My counsel for you is simple and straightforward. Just go ahead with what you've been given. You received Christ Jesus, the master. Now live him. You're deeply rooted in him. You're well-constructed upon him. You know your way around the faith. Now do what you've been taught. School's out. Quit studying the subject and start living it. So I pray that what we've learned in our study has become a part of us, that we're continuously transformed and have continuously transformed minds by being filled with God. That all areas of our lives are being relinquished to the loving control of the Holy Spirit. And that preaching to ourselves is a default that happens even when we're not in church. In other words, now truth-filled begins. So let's start living it. Thank you. <laughs>